I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello everyone, I'm Chris Wynn. Welcome to the Rugger Report podcast in association with the Sunday Community Soup Kitchen. And it's good to be back for our first football of 2022. It just felt... Uh, with no game on New Year's Day or kind of around then that we normally have in the schedule. Um, we hadn't played for ages, but uh, I think uh, it just felt like the nine-day gap uh, felt longer than usual with the New Year's schedule and getting uh, sorted for the first week of January with uh, work and, and kids. So it was, it was good to be back in action. Well, it could have been a bigger gap than just the nine days with uh, us having to recall players to, to fill in to a COVID-impacted squad. Uh, but we got on with it. And it was a juicy top-of-the-table clash in front of the Sky cameras, which ended in a 3-3 draw at Adams Park. We'll dissect today. Uh, and to help me with this task, I have the pleasure of being joined by Phil West. Good to speak to you, mate. Yeah, good to see you, Chris. How are we doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Like I said, uh, well, we were just talking. This is this is the first uh, podcast we've done together. It is indeed, yep. Absolutely. We speak every week on Spaces. We do want to do Spaces, yeah, but it's yeah. the first time we've done a pod together. So. Yeah, it should be the same. But I don't. I don't know why it doesn't really feel any different. But, uh, <laughs> but we, we do that every week. I don't know why it's such a big thing with the first pod. But yeah, so let's get into it because I think there's a lot to kind of dissect from. That. Oh yes. I mean, on the face of it, look, I'm just a three-three draw away at Wickham Wanderers. I mean, just quickly. I mean, obviously, obviously, we took the lead early on. We're pegged back by Wickham, and then we go up behind, and then we get back on level terms. Then we regain the lead in in injury time. Um, and then concede a 98th minute equaliser. Look, I think it's fair to say that feelings were running high after the final whistle went because of how it happened. But now you've had a chance to sleep on it, Phil. What are your overriding thoughts on the result? Um, I think having slept on it and having had a chance to reflect on what went on yesterday, I don't think it's as bad a result as I initially thought it was. I have to be honest with you, Chris. When the final whistle went yesterday, I felt like I'd been kicked in the in the nuts, basically. Um, because it was, you know, it, you know, it's it's one of those, isn't it, where you're leading, you've got a couple of minutes to see out the game, you think you're going to secure the three points, and then they get a corner, and you just get that horrible kind of feeling of doom in your stomach, thinking, oh God, are we going to concede? And obviously we did. Um, so it was disappointing to, to drop two points in that manner. But taking a step back, looking at the bigger picture, I think it was a good point. I think the performance, particularly in the second half, was very encouraging. I thought we did much better in the second half than we did in the first. And I think given all the disruption in the build-up to the game with COVID and having to recall loan players and was the game going to go ahead and et cetera, et cetera, I think it was a good afternoon's work. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think initially it felt like a bit of a, a sickness to drop two points at that, but having taken a step back from it, I don't think it was as bad as I first thought. Yeah, because, I mean, it's funny because, I mean, I, I saw some of, the reaction, obviously, social media, and we've got our group chats as well. Yeah. And you know, there was a bit, yeah, and 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 a lot was it was kind of, you know, exacerbated by how it happened. But it's funny because I was in the mindset before the game, and I put in the predictions piece that um, I predicted a one-all draw. Um, so I'd like to think I wasn't too far off, but I had that in my mind before. I just I was thinking, you know, we've got all this disruption. I just couldn't see us going there and just kind of wiping the floor with another promotion rival away from home. It was a big clash. Wickham were obviously up for it. Well, they always are at home in, in, in some way, shape or form. But yeah, I had in my mind that, you know, I, I, like we'll go there, get a draw. That'll be good. We've got a you know decent run of games, which we'll come on to later. And I, I kind of had that in my mind. And and actually, when, when I was watching the game, I was really pleased with the way we played. I thought we were, we were really kind of impressive. And I thought that, that we'll talk about it later on but I thought the 
the, the standard of the goals is fantastic. Some of our football with, with, at times was fantastic. Yeah. Yes, okay, there's things to work on. But, I mean, just just from your point of view, I mean, in that first half, so what, what was what was kind of so wrong for you in that first half that was maybe so right in the second half? I just felt in the first half, we, after, I mean, it's, you get, we got off to a great start scoring early and that sets us up. You're thinking, great, we're going to go and push on now. But it just it just seemed to me that after we scored early, we just kind of thought, oh, we scored early. What do we do here kind of thing? I think there was a bit of a kind of a sense of a bit of uncertainty. Um, I just felt we were disjointed in the first half and, you know, we couldn't really string any any kind of lengthy, you know, positive passages of play together. Um, and we were shaky at the back as well. I felt that we didn't, We I, I think the loss of Bailey Wright, certainly yesterday, kind of stripped us of that rock-like presence that we've relied on heavily at the back in recent weeks because he's, ha- he's having a real he's having a real good run of form at the moment and he brings a lot of solidity to the defence. So I felt that losing him kind of made us a little bit jittery. But I, I, I just felt that we didn't, we didn't really cope with the way that Wickham were playing. We know how Wickham play at home. We know how Wickham play full stop generally. They play with aggression. It's quite physical. They get in your faces. It's not the best side of football to watch aesthetically, but it works for them. And I just felt that we didn't really get a handle on that in the first half. So yeah, so that, that 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 I think was the main problem. I, I just felt that we were kind of, it was as if we were kind of caught in two minds as to whether or not to get it on the deck and actually try and pass it around a bit or try and hoof it long a little bit. So it was kind of a neither here nor there kind of performance in the first half and that was the main problem I felt. Yeah, it was, it's funny, isn't it? I, I, I was laughing when I was watching the game that uh, Dom Goodman and the other commentator. It's always funny, you know, these teams that just do play physical, horrible long ball football. Yeah, what, and the commentators seem to have to feel like they have to say, "Oh well, they play nice football at times, don't they?" And say, well, no, they don't. Yeah, that, that you know, we can know what they are. That that's how they play. And, yeah, and, you know, and and the crack unfair play to them. You know, that's that's how they've been so successful. But you know, these commentators feel like they have to say they play nice football at the same time. Well, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you that the type of football we can play. Just on that barely right point, because. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you at all that we kind of missed him and he could have been a, a kind of influence at the back there. But with Callum Doyle and Flanagan being obviously, well, I think this season, Lee Johnson's favourite parent at the back. I mean, he, he doesn't seem like, um, and we can maybe touch on Flanagan while we talk about this, because I thought Flanagan was a bit shaky uh, against, against Wickham the other day, but... Where would Billy Wright have come in for you? Because I thought Winchester was was decent at, at right back. I thought he got for, made some decent runs forward, and I thought he's pretty. I mean, he got done a couple of times down the right hand side, but he got done for pace, which isn't Billy Wright's kind of forte. So where would Billy Wright have actually come in against Wigan? I per, I might have brought him in for Winchester personally. I know that's a very borderline mm. call, but I I just feel that that in a game. Like that, if, if if Bailey Wright was obviously you know fully up to speed and fully fit, I think that's an occasion he would have relished really, and it, it's a very tricky call, Chris. I think you're absolutely right. It, it, it was it was one of those where you're kind of thinking, hmm, Winchester's you know he's been really good this season for us in fairness. I think he's been one of the real success stories to be fair. I mean, obviously Bailey Wright was injured anyway, so it, it didn't make much difference in any case. But yeah, I, I think that I, I would have been tempted if he'd been fit. I would have been tempted to to bring him in for Winchester, but it is a very borderline call on that one, absolutely. Mm. And I mean, just to take a step back a second, I mean, I mentioned earlier on that, um, I mean, obviously, it, it, it's going to be weird to talk about this in hindsight, but just to take yeah. a, a step back for a second, obviously, COVID impacted squad, we made the step to to bring those players back from loan to, to kind of fill out spaces on the bench and, you know, get involved with the squad again, 12 players out, I think, in total, for I think what they said in the interview after the game, but from my point of view, I absolutely loved that the fact that we just went, no, you know, we're going to go away to a promotion rival. We're going to go away from home. We're going to go in front of the sky cameras and we'll take them on anyway. We'll go for it. We think we can beat them. We're good enough. We've got a good enough squad. Yeah. I mean, it, again, it's weird talking about it in hindsight, but did you agree with that? I mean, were you happy with that? Because I, I like that kind of confidence, but are you the same on that decision? Oh, 100%, Chris. I, you know, I'll be absolutely unequivocal about this. In my opinion, getting the game on yesterday was absolutely the right decision. No no, no qualms about that whatsoever. I felt mm. that we showed good professionalism. I thought the statement from Christian Speakman on Friday was absolutely mm. bang on. Um, yeah. I thought he really, really showed that he, that, that he understands you know, the importance of, of, of getting these matches on wherever possible. Um, 
and not being tempted by that. Because it, it would have been tempting, wouldn't it? Say, oh, we'll postpone it, get a fully fit squad, then you've got another game. But on the other hand, fixture backlog, it might mess it might mess up our rivals' chances. You know, that there's going to be fixture backlog for the likes of Wigan, etc. Mm-hmm. I personally would prefer to play the matches and get the points on the board wherever possible. So, no, I think it was absolutely the right call. Um, and it's as you said, it's easy to say in hindsight when you consider last minute equaliser to say, well, we might, you know, we might have been better off postponing the game, but I think it was the right decision. I think it was that it was it was correct. I felt that they, they, they did the right thing by the fans who travelled down there in big numbers, and I think it was yeah, I, 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 no complaints about that whatsoever for me. It was one hundred percent the right decision. Yeah, yeah, and and again, I mean, on the game itself, I touched on it again earlier on. Just, I mean, for me, it, it's funny. It's the first time for a long time. I mean, going back, you can probably take quite a few seasons in the Premier League <laughs> in, into this kind of bracket that I'm going to mention. But it's been a while since actually I've seen us score goals of the quality that we're scoring yes. at the moment. I mean, especially, I mean, the, the first two, I mean, just getting the ball wide to players that you just know as soon as they get the ball, Embleton, Sirkin, especially that, I mean, especially that Sirkin one. I mean, the, the defender didn't know where, you know what Sergan was going to do and he just took one yeah. touch and cracked, you know just whipped a lovely ball in for Stewart. But um, the quality of goals and some of the the, the forward players, and it's, it's just kind of cracking to see because I don't think we've seen it for ages where we've just got that quality and we've got players who you've just got confidence to create something. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing as well, you know, is that, is that we were, we've been, I think one of the main points we've been talking about in recent weeks is that, you know, when Ross Stewart was going through a bit of a dry spell uh, not that long ago, one of the things I felt we needed to do was really kind of up the service to him. I felt that, you know, he's, he's doing the right things, he's getting in good positions, but he's not quite getting the level of service that he thrives on. That has undoubtedly been rectified in recent weeks. And as you said, I thought the two... Two of our three goals yesterday were of the highest order. I mean, I know the, the first goal was officially shocked. It was an own goal from Stockdale. But, you know, the, the ball then from Circa was just absolutely, mm. it was inch perfect. Stewart gets up, brilliant header, looping header, goalkeeper, a bit unlucky, but, you know, that's the way it goes. And the second goal, I mean, the deftness of touch mm. from Stewart to just, he just makes that run just a little flick over the keeper to, 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 to slot into the back of the net. Fabulous. And I think this is where. Stewart really is setting himself apart as a striker. It's been a long time since I've seen a big physical striker like him so good in the air and on the deck as well. You know, we often think, and I'm not being critical of Charlie White here because his return last season in goals was fantastic. You know, and I think that deserves to be praised. But Stewart is definitely more of an all round threat. He's much more dynamic. He's got a good turn of pace as well, actually, I think, for a big lad. He's, he's, he's deceptively, deceptively speedy, but he's just fantastic and he's in such good form. And I think that since that penalty at Doncaster, which he, which he scored, he hasn't looked back, has he? You know, so having him back in form is, is perfect, but the service to him has been so much better in recent weeks. So I don't think it's anything I don't think it's anything complicated. I think the, the, the tactic has just been you make sure that you get the ball to him in good positions and he will do the rest. So yeah, I think that's a massive improvement. Yeah. I mean Ross Stewart, I mean I mean let's just stay on Ross Stewart for a minute because I, I just think, you know, like you've just you've just mentioned there. I mean top scorer in League One was 17, two clear of yeah. Paul Stockton at Morgan, three clear of Michael Smith at Rotherham. We're talking about him Every week, I mean, he's our main striker with Broadhead injured. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure, to be honest, if Stuart got injured, what, what we would do. But um, but actually, I, I mean, I've, I've seen you mention, Phil, I mean, you know, that, yes, you know, the touch, the runs, the speed, the forward play. But I, I know that you've been impressed with uh, his work rate more than anything Massively. else. And it's so kind of important to the way we play as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. He's, a, he's a, you know, he's a, you know, we often, you often hear strikers getting praise for, you know, phrases like putting themselves about and they put a shift in and they, they covered every blade of grass out there, etc., etc. But the way we play, his work rate on and off the ball is so vital to that. You know, the way he pressurizes opposition defenders and he, he makes like difficult for them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think he's off the ball work is, is is really really impressive. I think it was. I can't remember the exact game it was. It was a game at the stadium like a few months ago, and I said that it was Stewart had turned in one of the best non-goal scoring performances I've seen from him in, in recent times. And what I meant by that was that even though he didn't score, he got himself in all the right positions, and he was doing everything he could to put the opposition under pressure. Now he's back among the goals, so you put the two together, yeah. and he's a formidable threat. I, you know, I think he's one of the best strikers we've had for many a long year, and I think it's interesting because if you think back to when he first joined the club, he took a while to get going, didn't he? You know, he mm. didn't he didn't hit the ground running immediately. He took a little bit of time to get himself bedded in to get attuned to Lee Johnson's style of play. 
But you know, this season with the service behind him, with the players behind him who were you know helping him, he hasn't looked back. And I think he could, he'll, he'll definitely break twenty five goals this season. I wouldn't be surprised if Charlie Wykes. Uh, total from last season could be under threat from Stewart this season, provided he stays fit. So, yeah, I think he's one of our he's one of our key key players at this moment in time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, just just fantastic. And and, and I mean, his movement uh, uh, that's that's me the the big difference. I mean, you were talking about Wyke. I mean, yeah, you know, I think nobody can deny Wyke with with his record last season, absolutely yes. fantastic. But the kind of that aspect of movement up front, it's just kind of revolutionise the way we've played because we've got movement up front which which makes us so much more dangerous we can play wide we can play through the middle I mean we scored goals from, from all over yesterday but on that point obviously Stewart is has been fantastic his finishing's been clinical but I mean all season Lee Johnson has worked on that three players behind Ross Stewart I mean Pritchard I mean Don Goodman was kind of drooling over him saying he shouldn't be in this division and all this sort yeah. of stuff and I mean I know people were questioning him at the start of the season but he was getting over COVID then he took a couple of knocks because he couldn't train he couldn't you know he couldn't keep fit but he's just shown his class now I mean what a player at this level I mean don't go I can't try. get enough of him he shouldn't be at this level should he no he is he's shown that pedigree of a, of a player who has played at the, in, in the upper tiers of English football I just think he's brilliant Chris I really do he's he, you know he's in the great tradition of kind of a lot of the great playmakers of years gone by, he's not the most physically important player. He's quite slight, really, mm. you know, comparatively speaking. But his composure on the ball and his balance and his vision and his ability to kind of envision the pitch in his mind and where his teammates are at any given moment, it's just an absolute pleasure to watch him when he's in this mood. And what I also like about him as well is that whenever he's been interviewed, he's a really composed, articulate character as well. He comes across as a real kind of thinking man's footballer, which is which is interesting. He'll give you he doesn't just come up with the same platitudes, he'll give you insight as to what happened on that particular passage of play or what he was thinking here and there. And I think it's brilliant. And he is an, you know, again it was the, and, and I think to be fair, he did he did have a very slow start at his Sunderland career, and as you said, COVID disrupted and then he doesn't get in the team for a while, and then when he does, he's got to kind of get himself up to speed and so on and so forth. But again, he's another player who something has just clicked for in recent weeks. It, it's just as if the light has been switched on, and he's really flourishing now. So you know, I was you know I wrote an article last week about this multitude of creative options that we've got now, and he is one of the best we've got at our disposal, without a doubt. So 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 key that he stays fit. Um, and yeah, I, I just think he's in the second half, particularly the way he was pinging that ball about. He just had it on a string. He just mm-hmm. had it on an absolute string, and Wickham couldn't live with him. So yeah, definitely a player, a, a, you know, what I would call a slow burner at mm-hmm. Sunderland. Really, mm-hmm. um, not an instant success, but now he's built up a head of steam. He's looking absolutely unstoppable. So fantastic. Yeah, and and I think Lee Johnson was talking all the time about getting him fit, doing specific things with him. I think he probably had his own little regime after COVID because. Yeah, I don't think he really had a pre-season. Um, so, I mean, just, just getting him up to speed. And I think talking about being articulate and being being that sort of player, that you can actually, I think just by making the move to us, you can tell that he's that sort of person that, you know, he, instead of demanding, well, you know, I had a 12 million move, so I should be playing in the championship or, you know, bottom half of the Premier League or whatever. He just said, no, this is a good move for me. Kind of re- restart things, get good, you know, go to Sunderland. Um, and and I think he knows that now <laughs> he can take games by the scruff of the neck. And if we if we give him the ball, he'll he'll just keep producing. I mean, some some of his passing was just was just fantastic, a level above anything else you see in League One. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the interesting point, just expand on what you said there about you know him coming to this club, but you know he's, he's been a twelve million pound player, etc., mm-hmm. etc. I don't think he feels the pressure of expectation or the weight of the shirt in the same sense that a lot of our players in recent years have had. You know, we've talked about this a lot, both on podcasts and our group chats, etc. about, you know, are these players mentally resilient enough to handle the pressure of playing for Sunderland? But he is a player who has risen to the challenge of playing for Sunderland. He's kind of, he's grown to fill the shirt, if you see what I mean. And, you know, I, th- I think he's reveling in it. I really do think he's reveling in it. You know, I think that 
in front of the, a stadium like crowd, 30,000 fans there, that's his kind of environment. You know, he's the kind of player who, who relishes the big occasion, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I th- and I think what you said there about his attitude, it, it, it's it's kind of a throwback to how footballers used to be where they didn't give it the, you know, they didn't give it the Billy Big Time <laughs> right off the bat. They came in and they were patient and then, you know, they, they understood that if they stick with it, they might get their move to a higher level with the club they're currently playing at. Mm. So, I think he's, he's an, he's, he comes across as, the, the, you know, the, the ultra-professional, in my opinion. Um, and it's no, I think Lee Johnson's got an incredible amount of trust in him, and you can see why he's a Lee Johnson type player. You really, really can. He's, you know, whenever you know Lee Johnson must be standing there on the touchline watching him and thinking, "This is what I signed you for, Alex. This is what the fans expect to see from you." You know, so yeah, I, I think he's just going to keep getting better and better and better. So mm. I, again, it's it really helps us having having him and these other attacking players at our disposal. Yeah. Well, another one I wanted to mention, just because uh, considering his performance. It's amazing to think that how far, maybe go back a month, six weeks ago, he couldn't get into the first uh, first 11, Elliot Embleton. Yes. And, and he's, you know, about Pritchard's form, he's kind of struggling to get into that central role again, which, I mean, to start the season, he was absolutely flying. It was all about Elliot Embleton. He comes out, Pritchard comes in, um, Embleton goes out wide. And just to touch on that second goal, it seemed to me, and, and I might be completely off the mark, it might just be one of those you know, things that happens in football, but you saw when Embleton had the ball wide with his, with his, on his left foot, he knew exactly what Ross Stewart was going to do. And to me, it almost looked like a set piece. It looked like yeah. that's, that's being worked on on the training ground. Ross Stewart comes across the defender. Embleton puts the ball low into that area and, and Stewart's got an, well, I say easy finish, like you said, it was a deft touch, but... It, it looked to me like that's something they've worked on that that kind of three working with Stewart and they know exactly where to put the ball and and Embleton, yeah. Embleton's quality as well considering he couldn't get in the team six weeks ago. I mean, it, like you said, unbelievable options at the moment. Yeah, and I think the thing is as well is that what you can see now you can you can see and you know all good Sunderland teams in the past have had this. You can see relationships starting to build between players. You can see can you know connections starting to be forged between certain players. You know, like for example, when we had Alan Johnston and Nicky Summer, we were Kevin Phillips and Niall Coon up front. You knew that they got the ball out wide. That nine times out of ten, they would drop it on the sixpence for Quinn or Phillips, and they would do the rest. So I, th- I wouldn't say we're quite at that stage yet, but you can certainly see now that there is a there's a good link being forged between Stewart and the creative players behind him. And as you said, Embleton's another player who, in recent weeks, has really. I mean, the goal they nearly scored at Arsenal, where he took aim from about twenty five yards and it just skimmed off the outside of the post. That to me was a player who was really starting to feel a lot of confidence within himself again. And in recent weeks in the league, he's certainly starting to make a big impact. The only thing I've got about Embleton is, is I don't think he's quite yet nailed down a position very, very firmly. I think at the moment he's he's this he's still kind of kind of flitting a little bit between two different positions, kind of a little bit more. He's, he's, I think he's, he's, his instinct is to play kind of central, but he's going out, he's going out wide a bit more as well now. So I think that he needs to kind of just concentrate on where his best position is. But that'll come, you know, that'll come with game time, and that'll come the more he, the more he plays. So, but it's very encouraging to see him because again, he was another player who's been given quite a bit of stick this season, certainly after the good start he had. But he's really flourishing now, and again, I think he's he's another player who's really reveling in Lee Johnson's style of play. Yeah, so, sorry, fella, I was I was struggling to. To listen to hear what you were saying in that second half, because in my mind I was just drooling over Alan Johnson and Nicky Summerby. And <laughs> thinking, I think healthy and dear. Yeah. yeah, I think I might yeah. have to spend my afternoon watching, uh, going back watching that uh, promotion season on yeah. YouTube again with uh, Mickey Gray doing shuttles up uh, next to yeah. Alan, Alan Johnson for ninety minutes. But uh, yeah, anyway, I'll have to get out of that and think about the modern day. But uh, yeah, Emb- I completely agree about Embleton. By the way, in that kind of is he is he behind the striker or is he a wide man and to me if he if he had an extra couple of yards of pace he'd be a wide man no yeah. problem it's just you know he hasn't quite got that and sometimes like Summerby though he, he showed yesterday he doesn't need it he gets half a yard knocks it exactly where he wants Puts it to a good go crossing yeah that's very true yeah the other thing I wanted to mention about um, going to Wickham and I think you you mentioned it in in your kind of summary right up, up front was it, it's a tough place to go and and this season we've not always kind of won the battle away from home where teams have just kind of got on top of us and we've kind of yes. we've we've kind of I don't know not shy away that's kind of the wrong kind of words but we've we haven't been kind of good enough to win that battle or we haven't been ready for it but we're undefeated away in the last five now um we've got the the sixth best away record in league one 
And I think because Lee Johnson's just demanded this brave way of playing away from home where there's not actually that much difference to how we play at the Stadium of Light, really. It's on the front yeah. foot. It's attacking. I mean, I was just looking at the um, the stats for the game, which are a bit ridiculous, really. I mean, we had 56% of the possession, which, okay, it's, it's there or thereabouts. But we had 21 shots on goal, nine on target. I mean, that, that just kind of screams of being brave. I mean, look at the way we played at Arsenal. We just yes. said, we're not, we're not kind of bending to the way we play. We're not going to put players behind the ball. We play the way we play. And I think as the season's gone on, we've had to adapt to playing against the physical sides. Because yeah. like I said, we, we kind of struggled in that early part of the season. But I think, yes, well, against Wickham, we, we proved that we go to these places and we're learning, I think, to to deal with that battle. And you, that, the first half that you mentioned might have had something to do with that. You know, we were kind of standing up to Wickham at the same time and trying to kind of earn our right to play our football. But I think I think we're learning that, and I think we're better at that, and we've we've done that as the season's gone on. Yeah, I think we are, and I think we've had to take some harsh lessons as well on route to doing that. You know, for example, you look at Sheffield Wednesday and Rotherham, two games where everything basically really fell apart and we were really kind of overwhelmed. But yeah, I think you're right as well. You know, the, 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 we've been kind of outgunned physically in certain games away from home. Well, we certainly were early early doors in the season. But I think now we've kind of learned how to deal with that and we've we've kind of adapted our style away from home. Um, and you're right, you know, we are going away from home now with this because that was one of the questions, wasn't it? Is that were we... You know, there were one or two mutterings kind of not long after the season started when we started to have a bit of a downturn in form that were we just a home team? Was our away form going to be our Achilles heel? You know, could we only turn it on in front of a big crowd at the stadium, like, et cetera, et cetera. But I think now, I think you can, you are starting to see that we are kind of taking our home style of players, as you as you correctly pointed out, and we are kind of transposing that into our away form as well. It won't always work, you know, it won't, it's not always going to bear fruit, and I think there will be times where we do, where we're not quite at it, and we do kind of have to try and, you know, get our way through games a bit more, kind of in, in an ugly fashion, as it were, you know. But I, I think, that we, you know, as you mentioned Arsenal, you know, we were never going to go there and put, you know, all the men behind the ball and just try and kind of keep them out for for ninety minutes. That 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 was never ever going to work. So, I think what Lee Johnson's doing, and I think I think this comes down with the coaching philosophy of Lee Johnson. I think he's really telling these players, look, go out there, express yourselves, play the football that comes naturally to you, and more often than not, it will yield results. So, I think there is a bit more adaptability now. I do think, and I've got to be honest with you, I do think we need a little bit more muscle in midfield to kind of shore things up, just to give us that protection. Um, just to kind of firm things up a little bit when it does get more of a battle. Um, but we're not a million miles away. And I do think that, that that our away form is much more impressive now, not just the results, but the style in which we're going about them as well. You know, the way we're playing away from home, you know, different environments, hostile crowds, maybe not the most hospitable stadium to go. And that could really throw them off their stride, but they seem to be adapting much better to that now. So again, very encouraging. Yeah, and, and I mean, just because, I mean, this is going to be a personal thing though across... Sunderland fans, I personally think it's great that you know we're having this brave outlook and we're just thinking we're going to go teams, we're good enough to beat them, and you know drawn three three away from home kind of shows the way we play where we we just we go forward and we're going to concede but we're gonna we're gonna score but I think a lot there's going to be some fans. I mean, like I said, my personal preference is I think it's fantastic. I love I love the fact that we've got this confidence. I, I love having that outlook on it. Do you think, and, and I'm wondering how you think about it as well, what your outlook is as well, but do you think with other fans there might be some thinking, you know, no, we should be more organised away from home, get more points, you know, be a bit more solid and and be, and do that at home. Do you think Johnson might lose some people on that or do you think most people are going to be in the, yeah, no, this, this is a good thing, Camp? Well, I do think that I think I think there's there's got to be an element of pragmatism among the fan base, and to a large extent, I think there is. I think that Johnson's often been criticised, or he was criticised, particularly when we had those two hammerings in Yorkshire against Wednesday and Rotherham, for not having a plan B, for only having a, a, a go-to game plan, and if things got a little bit tricky, he wasn't able to change things up mid-game, or he wasn't able to adapt. My personal view is on this: is that I'm I think that aesthetics have to play second fiddle to results personally. However, if you can achieve good if you can achieve positive results by playing an attractive style of football go for it you know don't if you if you if there is the opportunity to really put a team to the sword and it's a nice open game and you can play the way you want to i think you should capitalize on that but if it's not if if it's not really that kind of game and if it is a little bit more of a physical battle i do think you have to adapt and you do whatever it takes to get through that game and get a result out of it so 
you know, and I think I think the thing is, it's important to acknowledge here that we're not we're not playing kind of kamikaze wide open football where you know there's huge gaps appearing at the back and everybody's bombing forward and we're, we're being exposed. We are playing. It's kind of controlled aggression. I think we're playing with at, at the moment, certainly away from home. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think I think you've just got to strike a balance, haven't you? I think you've got to look at it and you've got to think, right, okay, it's good if we can play attractive football. It's good if we can take the game with the opposition. But we've got to remember that we're in the business of picking up points here as well. So I think that Lee Johnson at the moment is getting that balance just about right. I think what he's he's and, I, and just on Lee Johnson, I just want to mention that I thought his interview after the game yesterday was really really impressive. I think he's speaking very very well at this moment in time. I think he would have been disappointed with dropping the two points, and I think he could sense that from his interview. But again, he was taking a look at the bigger picture and he was playing a long game. And I think he was saying that basically, look, these things will happen. Teams will drop points, and we'll be one of them. You know, so. Yeah, I think I think he's he's got the balance just about right at this moment in time. Um, I guess the results won't always go away, and I think yesterday was a classic case in point. But yeah, I think that that balance between you know pragmatism and attractive football, it's quite tricky to strike. But I think we're just about doing it at this moment in time. Yeah, and, and just that kind of um, you were saying that having that kind of solid, more solid player in midfield. I mean, obviously Corey Evans was in there yesterday. I yes. thought I thought he was doing a a decent job at kind of breaking up play before he obviously had that injury and had to go off. Um, but I mean, just because obviously whoever plays in there at the minute, because Dan Neal has just been unbelievable this season. Yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, and anyone who's going in there is going to partner Dan Neal. But I think it's easy for people to forget about Dan Neal. Obviously, with the way he's playing, and he seems to have been playing forever, and he's just been in our midfield for yeah. for, for years. But this is his first full season in senior football, the way he's played week in, week out, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Um, and I think compare if you compare his performances in August and September, and I'm and I'm not talking about on the ball whatsoever, just completely without the ball. I think off the ball he's getting better and better and better. He's getting more solid. He's putting the tackles in, which maybe he wasn't kind of three, four months ago. And he's he's still learning his trade, and especially off the ball, because he, he's it just comes naturally to him when, when he's got the ball. But yeah. I think he's getting better at that side of the game. And I think that's a big aspect of us being more solid away from home. But um, but again, with with kind of Corey Evans supposedly, well, he's being brought in to, to take that role, to to give us that kind of ball-winning midfielder. What was your thoughts on Corey Evans' performance before he went off? And do you think January will, will be looking at bringing maybe someone else in to, to play that role? The answer to the first question about Evans, I think he's actually been quite good recently, not just yesterday, but the games he's played recently. He's actually been looking pretty good in that in that midfield role. And he's, he's I think the, the frustrating thing with Evans is it's he's, he's you know he's had rotten luck with injuries and I think there's questions about his durability. But when he has played, certainly recently, I think he's looked really good. I thought he did a very good job yesterday. I think mm. he was he was a good foil for Dan Neal in the middle of the park. I think he did the ugly stuff quite well. He was breaking up players, you said. Um, obviously, you know it was it was a sickening injury. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. he seems to be okay, which yep. is which is a good, which is you know quite merciful, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, to the second question, yes, I would, I do expect us to look for another kind of midfield enforcer this January. Um, I think that I think that Lee Johnson understands that, and I think that you know I was talking to someone on Twitter about this, and I think we need a bit of steel to go with the silk that we've got from Dan Neal. He's you know he's an absolutely brilliant footballer. He can make things happen. But I just think having someone next to him who can really kind of do the, the more dirty work, if you like, the kind of the ugly tackling and, and the breaking up of the play, which Evans has been doing quite well, I think that's going to be so, so crucial. And I think that, you know, whenever... I think most Sunderland promotion teams that I've seen that I can think of offhand, we've always had that bit of that bit of needle, that bit of bite in the middle of the park, you know, whether it was Alex Ray and then latterly it was Dean Whitehead, for example, and so on and so forth. Um, and I think we've got that to a certain extent with Corey Evans at the moment, albeit he hasn't been able to put a consistent run of games together. So yeah, I think that's an area that will be addressed in January. And just on Dan Neal as well, I think you're absolutely spot on there. Is it? He's developing now into a genuine all-round midfield player. You know, he's he's he, on the ball. We all know how good he is. He's, he can pick a pass. He's got he, he makes time and space for himself brilliantly. But I think he's understanding and he's learning the value now that that's not the way you can play the game all the time. You've got to be willing to do the dirty work. Because that's the way this league is. So to see him developing into that kind of all-around midfielder now was fantastic. I thought he was. I thought he was not at his best yesterday. No problem with that because he will go through games like yeah, yesterday absolutely. where it's, it doesn't quite happen for him. That's a part of his learning process. It's the same with Callum Doyle when he had a bad run of form. They're, they're young kids. They're learning their way in the game. You know they're going to go through ups and downs. So yeah, I think that the the, the midfield is still. I think it's it's good, but I think it could be better. And. 
I think that by getting a bit more muscle in there this January, I think that would that would fix an issue that has been quite glaring at times this season. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 easy to forget how young some of our squad is this season. Oh and, yeah, uh, I think I think I looked at um, at one point. There's about a third of our kind of core first team squad. I think we've got about twenty one real kind of solid first team players who want kind of young young lads. And I'm sure I looked when about six or seven of them are playing their first full season as a yes. kind of first kind of starting eleven player really kind of coming into the side like that. So I think it's easy to forget that. Another player who actually came in yesterday who I want to kind of touch on was uh, was Anthony Patterson. I thought he made some cracking saves. I thought. You know that there's possibly a referee's decision with their second goal that was controversial. Obviously, we've been pinned down. Um, that you, you see those not given, you see those given that it's one yeah. of them. Um, there's a lot of people said he, he could have been stronger. The equaliser in the last minute. I, I've seen some criticism. I think it was a decent save, and I think it was just what you know. He palmed the ball out. If a Sunderland defender clears that, we're all loading Anthony Patterson for a cracking save yeah. and saying. Absolutely fantastic! Oh, he saved the day, and we—he's given us three points. It's just one of them things. It dropped, it dropped to one of their players, and, and he stuck it in. But yeah. I thought he had a decent game. But I mean, just just on the reaction to his um, performance as well. I mean, do do you think the reaction highlights how confident Sunderland fans are with kind of Hoffman and how important he is as well? Because I think part of the reaction is because it wasn't Hoffman, if that makes sense. I think people have got yeah. so confident with him between the sticks. Um, but yeah. I, I thought Patson did all right as well. Yeah, I think I, I think that first of all he deserves credit for kind of you know showing a good strong uh, level of resiliency yesterday coming into that game. Not an mm. not an easy place to go, you know, when you've just been thrown back into the team, you've been recalled from a loan spell. All of a sudden you're putting your gloves on at Adams Park, you know, you know you're going to be facing Sam Vokes. Yeah. That's a test of character for a young lad like Anthony Patterson. And I, I, generally, I felt and I've, I, again with a bit of time to think, a bit of time to reflect on it from yesterday. I thought he did well at the time, and I still think he had a pretty decent game. Yeah. Having having slept on it and thought about it, I think for the second goal, I probably again emotions probably got the better of me. I thought he should have been a bit stronger in that particular case. Having watched it back again, yes, he's being pinned down. Yes, they're crowding him. That's kind of typical League One, really. We've seen that happen so yeah. many times, not just to us but to other teams as well. Um, but I thought he, I thought he, I thought he did a, I thought he did a solid enough job. Whether or not he is ready to be Hoffman's backup. I think is another question. Personally, I think he will benefit. From, I think personally, he will go back out on loan to not to Notts County. I think he will play first team football for, for them, and I think he will continue to develop himself. But I don't think he did a bad job at all yesterday. I know there was a lot of debate about you know even in our in, in our group chat about you know should we you know we can't play the Lincoln game with him and go because he, he he'll be too fragile etc etc. Mm-hmm. But I thought he showed some good saves yesterday. I thought his distribution was a bit ropey at times. I think he he, he could have been a bit more composed with the ball at his feet. Um, but generally, I thought he did fine. Again, it's you know, like I said, it's it, you know, to, to come in into what was what was obviously going to be a tricky game, you know, and to acquit himself in the way he did, I think he did just fine. You know, I, I don't think, I think it would be very very harsh to sorely blame Patterson for dropping those two points yesterday. I think mm. that you have to do it. You, you win and lose as a team. And the other thing as well is that we, we haven't really touched on this yet. We created a bucket load of chances in that second half. Yeah. You know. We we Embleton had a Embleton hit the bar with that curling shot. He was there was a one where he couldn't quite get it under control when he was fed through. Stewart had the one from Gooch where he kind of chipped it over the bar. I think Pritchard had the snapshot, and then Stewart had the header which was then hooked off the line. So we had chances in that game to make that game safe, you know. So I don't I, I think that I think Patterson, yeah, on another day he's the hero. He palms it out with Sunderland player clears it. Everybody congratulates him. It wasn't that way yesterday, but no, I, I think he did fine. I, 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 I don't think you can really judge his long-term prospects at Sunderland <laughs> on that performance yesterday. I think he does. He is going to need a bit more time and a bit more patience. So, mm. no, I thought he did fine. To be perfectly <laughs> honest with you, yeah. No, I, I had a little chuckle there, Phil, because um, you said uh, you can't really or you, or you shouldn't um, define his Sunderland career and stuff on one performance. But you know for a fact some people will. Um, it's, oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's, the yeah. The world, it's, it's, it? it's the way of the world, isn't it? Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I just think criticising them on, on that is... I just think it's, uh, it's so unfair. You I think coming in... I think he, he only found out kind of two days before or something like that that he was coming back. Yeah. Come back from Notts County. Level of football isn't... Like you said, he hasn't got players that Wickham have got on top of him and pinning him down and all that sort of stuff. Um, I mean, just because people might be kind of looking for us to kind of not sit on the fence about that on Patterson. I mean, for me, 
it's technically 100% a foul. Simple as that. But having said that, you see those game in, game out. And some, for me, it's kind of a toss of a coin whether a referee sees it, gives it. Um, the offside, I think you hardly ever get those. I think your linesman's got to be kind of completely on the ball to, to get those. And, you know, there was someone on the line for us who was pretty close. So there was a rarely given. But I, I, I just think it, it, it would be unfair to just say that it was down to Patterson and there were mistakes. Because like I said, I thought that for the third goal, I thought it was a, it was actually a cracking save. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, just again, just on the reaction, I mean, I would hope that it's not kind of too much because I, I think I think he's a good keeper and a solid keeper. And, it, you know, if he keeps progressing the way he's progressing, because I think he's much better than what I saw last season already because he's playing first team football. I yeah. think I think in the future he could be a cracking cracking goalkeeper whether he's one of two or, or whatever. Yeah, I mean I think that I mean the, you know on the, just going back to the foul there I mean it's a, you know guess which way the refereeing decisions are going to go. It's, it's a game for all the family because you just never know which way the referee decisions are going in this thing. They sit and make the rules up as they go along week to week. You know what is a foul one week is then not given the next week and then it, it goes the other way. So. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not quite. I'm not quite sure who oversees the referee at this level. But I think they need to do a much better job because there's no consistency. You know, we've seen this so many times, haven't we? You know, where players get chopped down and they get a, they don't get a foul, and then another player goes down like he's just been hit by a breath of wind, and it's a penalty, and so on and so forth. So there's no consistency there. But no, I, I think he. I, I don't think this will dent Patterson's confidence long term. I think he'd have been a bit hacked off with the way the game ended yesterday. And I think that you know, I think that and I think to be honest with you, I also think the collision with Corey Evans as well probably shook him up a little mm. bit as well. Yeah. And that was good brave goalkeeping as well, by the way. Mm. I, I, I thought I should mention that. The way he came out and took the lot, okay, he collided with Evans as well. But at least he showed some he was decisive in that moment. He didn't he didn't kind of come and then stop and then kind of get caught in two minds. So mm. no, I, I think that I think that Lee Johnson will have said to him in that in that uh, dressing room yesterday, look Battle. You've done a good job. You've come in. Not easy for you. It's not your fault. We should have given you more cover for that set for that third goal. Don't worry about it. You'll be just fine. I think Lee Johnson. He strikes me as the kind of person who will who has built good relationships with these players. And I think Patterson would have benefited from that yesterday. I think Johnson would have, you know, put the arm around the shoulder and reassured him that everything was okay and that it's not going to damage his long-term prospects and that you know his teammates aren't going to blame him for, for what happened. So, no, I, I don't expect this to have a, um, a lingering effect. I think the best thing for Patterson now is for him to get straight back into playing first-team football for Notts County. I think that'll help him a lot. If he can get back out there, maybe keep a couple of clean sheets for them, just kind of get back into the swing of things a little bit. And suddenly they'll be keeping an eye on that without a doubt. So, no, I, I think he'll be just fine. I don't expect it to have a, a long-term impact on him. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'd much prefer him to be playing first-team football than Getting yes. kind of splinters in his backside on the on the bench for us this season. Yeah. Um. Actually, I was just laughing on the the referee that you mentioned because there was a we had a we had a throw in down the right hand side at one point and it was through into Linda Gooch and their defender pulled his shirt back and it should have been a free kick to us and it wasn't given and like then they went the ball rolled to them. Winchester won the ball back doing exactly what had just been done on Gooch. Yeah. And then he 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 blew up for the free kick. I mean, like yeah. you said, referees in this division are just. Uh, or just unreal sometimes, but uh, but yeah, I mean, looking ahead, and I think you again, you touched on it, Lee Johnson in his interview. I thought that was that was good as well. He just went, you know, ninety eighth minute equaliser, but he took the positives and he said, "We've got a game Tuesday, fantastic, getting back on it, getting back yeah. into it." Um, Lincoln at home on Tuesday, they're struggling, but even so, even even though that they're at the other end of the table, which we've kind of had this expectation, I think, since we've come down to League One. I think this is the first time, I don't know about you, Phil, but this is the first time I've really felt confident of us just swapping teams aside. D- doesn't matter who it is. I've just felt yeah. com- feel confident that, you know, we're at home, we're away, the way, the, the way we go about things. I just feel so confident that, we, like, you know, we've got a game on Tuesday at home, whereas before we thought, oh, are we going to draw 1-1? Are we going to nick it by an only goal or something like that? I just feel confident now, whatever game we play now, I just think we're going to swap teams aside and win. Yeah, I think we're go- I think we're definitely going into matches with a lot more confidence now. I think that you know, I think that you've still got to be wary that any team can turn over another team at any at any given point in this league. You know that that, that can happen. So you've got to be. I think you've got to be aware that you know you've got to earn the right to get the three points. But as you, as you correctly said, I think you know when we put when we can put our because the, the other thing as well is that earlier in the season when we were when when it was obvious we were trying to play this new style of football. 
we were showing it for kind of flashes in games, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. We hadn't really put together a complete 40, a 90-minute performance. But against Chef Wed the other week, I think it was a really good performance. Mm. Um, and we, we have done that at points, certainly at home this season. So, yeah, I think that if we can, you know, if we can put our, our best game on the pitch on Tuesday night against Lincoln, because I think the players will be desperate to bounce back as well. I think they'll be livid about what happened yesterday and dropping the two points in the way they did. And I think that, you know, it's, it's going to be a good test of our ability to kind of get back on the horse and, you know, make sure we go out there and put the put right the wrongs from there yesterday. So, yeah, I expect, it, I expect them to go up Lincoln right from the get-go. I think we'll play with aggression. I think we'll have lots of energy about us. I expect us to be getting the ball into good areas again. And I think we'll, again, you, you, you're not going into games now with some of them expecting them to kind of sit back and be tentative and be nervous and wait for the opposition to make a move before responding. I think we're very much a proactive front foot team nowadays, um, and I would expect um, I would expect the same. So I think it's good that we've got that game coming coming up as well. I think it's because you know whenever you have a frustrating result, I think the first thing you want to do is look to your next game. You don't want to be brooding about the result you've just you've just experienced. I think you want to get ready for the next game so you can get you can prepare yourself for it. So yeah, I, I don't expect much change in the way we play against Lincoln. I think we'll be on it from the from the get go. And yeah, I, th- I think it's a good. It's a good. Ch- I mean, I have to say, I'm surprised at Lincoln this season because I was expecting them to be much further up the table than they actually are. Um, it doesn't really seem to have happened for them for, for some reason. But you know, I just wonder whether or not, obviously, because you know, we, the last time we played them at the Stadium of Light was the uh, the playoff semi final, um, which which ultimately torpedoed our hopes of, of making the final, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So maybe revenge will be on their mind a little bit. It's a much changed team from then, of course. You've got the Chris Maguire factor as well. He'll be <laughs> probably back. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a bit of social media banter before that as well. But no, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's a really good chance to get to to respond quickly to yesterday, and for us to keep because we're still in a good position in the league. I think this is the most important thing. You know, you you look at the league table and then you think, yeah, we're in a good position despite yesterday's result. You know, it wasn't a calamitous result league wise. Um, so yeah, so I think again, it's all about just keeping up the pressure on the teams around us and making sure that we're racking up the wins, keeping us above that two points per game figure as well so we're you know we're, so we're, we're kind of keeping ourselves up there and yeah I'm looking forward to it Chris I have to say you know you might you know maybe a couple of months ago when confidence was a bit more fragile this might have been a game that you thought oh Lincoln at home maybe a bit of a banana skin but the way we're playing at the moment I fully expect us to do the business as well without a doubt yeah I was having a little chuckle there I I think uh, if uh, Chris McGuire on social media, I think he has to take a picture of himself eating a Big Mac or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he, exactly. He has, to, he has yeah. to big buy a big pile of them and just have them on a tray in front of him yeah. or, something, or something like that. But uh, it'd be interesting to see the build-up for that. But yeah, look, looking a bit further ahead, Phil, I was, I was looking at our fixtures. Next seven games, four of them are against teams from the bottom eight in League One. Um, yeah. And like on paper, I know it never works out like this, but on paper, I was I was thinking our hardest game, you know, we've got Portsmouth at home, which might be tough, but we're at home, and yeah, I, I would like to think that. I mean, they're on a they're on a good run of form actually. Portsmouth, they're, they're kind of undefeated in the last uh, five, won three out of the last five as well, so they're they're on a good run of form. That could be tough. We've got Accrington uh, Stanley away, they're on a good run of form. They've only been beaten once in the last five. Um, so that could be a tough one. That's next Saturday. So even though there's there's a couple of games in there, but like I said, four of the next seven are against bottom eight sides. It's a good chance, I think, you know, in this next period of games to kind of try and break away from the rest. If we can get what's expected from, from us, from our side, and the rest slip up, you never know, kind of, you, you might be looking at mid-February. Hopefully, if we get the right results, we could be kind of starting to break away. Yeah, I think that, I think that the, 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 I think they showed the, the next six fixtures or the next seven fixtures before the game kicked off on the Sky Graphic yesterday on the on the TV screen, and I was looking at that and thinking, yeah, that actually looks like quite a favourable run. I think you're right. Portsmouth could be the tricky one because we've always had bad history with them. You know, we you know they you know the, the Sky seemed to build them up as a rival to us when we played them back in the you know 2019, <laughs> uh, sorry 2018-19 season when we played them like five million times in the space of five weeks or something like that. You know, it was, it was something stupid like that. But yeah, that that could be a bit of a tricky game. But I think you're right. I think the other fixtures we've got coming up. Do look quite favourable, um, and it is a very, very good chance, as you, as you said, to to um, to really kind of put our foot down in the promotion race as well. And I think if we can kind of, if we can kind of augment that with some good signings in January as well, you know, if we can keep the results going on the pitch, but if we can get some good players in to boost the squad up as well, I think you put those two together, and this could be a really 
pivotal, you know, the rest of January and into February, this could be the time when we really, really start to turn the wick up on our promotion credentials. So, yeah, I think that I, I think that you're right. I think that, but again, you know, you you've got to be aware that these, you know, that if you're not, if you're maybe not on your game, these teams could surprise you. You know, you never know what might happen. But I think that just just the way we're playing at the moment, and the other thing as well that I, I just wanted to mention was our attitude nowadays. It's so much more. I see less and less panic now from our players on the pitch. Everybody looks more professional, calm and composed. Everyone knows their jobs. You know, even when we were even when we were up against it yesterday, I didn't see much panic. We we looked a little bit shaky at times, but it wasn't as if we were thinking, "Oh God, you know, we're liable to concede a flurry of goals here." We just kind of reset, got ourselves back in the game, and I think that's a really good sign. I think that you know, whereas in previous years when we had had a dodgy result, that might have kind of torpedoed everyone's confidence and everybody starts to play with their heads down but at the moment I'm seeing a lot of our players who are playing with their heads up they're playing with confidence they're looking as if they've got a lot of belief in themselves and their teammates and I think that's very very important and team spirit as well looks really strong as well you know this is you know previously you could you criticise some of the teams for maybe not being the most you know together as a dressing room but I think this team are tightly knitted I think they've got the belief of the manager and he I think they believe in him as well. So I think that that's going to carry us quite a long way as well. Even if you're not at your best, even if you, if you keep going in games, that endeavour to keep going and grind out results, I think that's going to be very important. So yeah, I think that I, I, I think that we've got a favourable run of fixtures coming up if we can keep this momentum going. And as you said, I think by mid to late February, I think we'll be getting a clearer picture of whether or not we are an automatic promotion worthy team or not. Because as you said, it is a good chance to... Because there is a little bit of a gap forming now. Mm to some of the teams kind of, you know, just below us in the playoff picture. And what we need to do is expand that gap, keep it moving and make sure that we keep ourselves in the, in the automatic promotion mix. So it's going to be an important, let's say, five or six weeks coming up, but it's, I think it could be a very, very positive five or six weeks for us as well. Yeah, yeah. Never mind about being wary, Phil. We're going to beat everyone and win the league. Yeah, let's go Don't for it. it. Yeah, what the heck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. Well, Good to speak to you again, Phil. Yeah, excellent. Much appreciate it, mate. No worries. And uh, I'm off for the rest of the day to watch um, our promotion season from 97-98. Ah, yes. Good memories. Glorious memories. Mickey Gray yeah. and Alan Johnson and Quinn and Phillips and... Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You've you've got us into it now. I can't stop thinking about it. So, so I'm gonna have to watch it. But thanks again, Phil. Much appreciated. Cheers, man. Lovely. And uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to keep a look out Rocket Report for all the build up ahead of Tuesday's game and all the reaction after the final whistle, as usual. Uh, but from us, it's bye for now. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns this is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.